Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the dude. I want to take a second to talk about the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped.com. It contains the Lawnmower 4.0, all-new skin-safe electric trimmer, the Weed Whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Reserver, anti-chafing ball deodorant, Crop Reviver, ball spray toner, Magic Mats, disposable shaving mats. It also contains two free gifts, the Shed, which is a travel bag to keep everything in, and Manscaped Boxers, anti-chafing boxers. Go to manscaped.com right now and use promo code HEYBARTENDER at checkout and get 20% off your entire order plus free shipping. You can't beat that. 20% off plus free shipping. It's coming up on Christmas time. It would be the perfect gift for that man in your life. Or if you just need it for yourself, just so you can feel a little bit better, a little bit more secure, go to manscaped.com and use promo code HEYBARTENDER to get 20% off plus free shipping. Go there today. Hi, this is Joel Lakovich, co-founder of Rock Sound Rum, and you're listening to Hey Bartender Podcast. Just have fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. You can hear me okay? The audio is fine? Uh, yeah, it'll be fine. Okay. Okay, now I'm working off my iPhone so uh, with my white ring light here. So, uh, <laughs> luckily, I, luckily, I married a TikTok star. So, uh, oh, really? I got some tools. Uh, really? <laughs> Am I allowed to drink on this? Uh, okay. Nobody can see you, so go nuts. Because, like I said, this is just. <laughs> I just. Uh, uh, I do the video just for my own benefit because it's easier for me to talk to somebody when I can see him. Um, I hear you. I haven't upgraded the podcast to uh, be a video show yet. Uh, you should. You, you got a good look going, man. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I just haven't gotten to it because I'm not sure how I feel about, uh, you know, showing a TikTok or uh, showing a video on YouTube of uh, a Zoom meeting rather than... Uh- me just traveling about and meeting people, but you know, who am I, Guy Fieri? You know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you could do it. I, you, I, I'm, I'm confident you've got the setup, you've got the technology. All you got to do is hit record, pretty much, right? Pretty much, so. yeah. But anyway, so Joel, welcome to Hey Bartender Podcast. It's about time I've had you on this show. Um, awesome, thank you for having me today. Anthony. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, so just to get things started, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure, um. Uh, long story short, I don't know how long this podcast is, uh, but I am a classically trained scientist. So um, I went to the University of Florida, uh, got degrees in microbiology um, and then minored in chemistry and English, and then stuck around and got a master's degree in biotechnology. Uh, wasn't done there, ended up rounding out and getting an MBA a little bit later. Um, so science and business has always been kind of my forte. And right out of college, right out of grad school, 
Um, I work for a large biotech company in the Washington, D.C. area, so I moved up from Florida. And while I was on my interview uh, for my day job, um, I met a nightclub bartender, bar manager on the red line. And if anyone's familiar with the D.C. train system, I was taking Shady Grove in to go see the monuments after my interview. And I little did I know that 45-minute conversation was really an interview. And when we got off at the monuments, uh, Mike Seaton said, hey, if to get your day job, um, you're more than welcome. You know, you sound like a really good guy and you know bartending. Um, you know, you can uh, have a night job too if you want. So, oh, wow. you know, two weeks onto the day job, um, <laughs> I got a little bored. <laughs> Picked up the phone and said, hey, Mike, is that position still open? And he said, yeah, come on by. And uh, I never bartended in a nightclub before. Mm -hmm. um, thousands of people. Um, was a little bit, I would say, nervous, but then just kind of fell into the routine and just learned that people really in a nightclub scene don't necessarily care what their drink looks like. They just want it as yeah. fast as possible, competing with thousands of other people. And uh, for four years, bartended at Washington, D.C.'s largest nightclub. Uh, three to 10,000 people a night, Thursday through Sunday. Wow. Um, so I learned a lot about bartending, even more than I had already known. Learned a lot about customer service skills, learned how to talk to every type of person, um, and just had a blast. And so eventually, day job kind of took over and um, moved to California because uh, my day job got acquired by another company and bartended a little bit in San Francisco when I got out there just to meet people. Mm -hmm. So I had both East Coast and West Coast bartending experience. Yeah, you've been much slower bar. You've been coast to coast yeah. here. So I have. I've done the coast to coast. Um, and then, um, uh, moved down to San Diego where I met my uh, lovely wife and then we moved to Austin, Texas. So I kind of done the full counterclockwise, I guess, around the United States yeah. and here in Austin, Texas, um, my passion of stone science, but my passion for my favorite spirit rum really took off. And I just went to my wife one day and said, Hey, I think uh, I can make a better rum. I have the business and the science and the bartending background. And, uh, 18 months later, here we have Rock Sound Rum. So uh, it, it's just been an incredible journey, and it does all start all the way back to when I, 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 I remember bartending and serving my very first customer. Um, and it was a vodka drink. It's kind of funny. But <laughs> I, I still remember. I still, you know, I should talk them into a Cuba Libre, but he wanted a vodka cranberry. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you are uh, currently bottling and making your own rum, which is incredible. Well, we're, we're going to get into that story in just a little bit, but first and foremost, like uh, traditionally on my podcast, I like my guests to present us with a drink special. Now, since you've got your own particular rum, you probably have something inter interesting for us using Rock Sound Rum. I do. I do. And this is a great story. Um, so using Rock Sound Rum, uh, one of our friends uh, recently, last year, uh, was getting married and she said, hey, can you create a signature cocktail for our wedding? So Shelby is a dear friend of ours, and so is her husband, Jake, and they were getting married. I went, oh, my gosh, the pressure. Okay, <laughs> and, she goes, and, and, and really don't take it too serious because uh, Jake is in the NASCAR crowd. He's in the NASCAR scene. He works in that industry. And uh, you're going to have a lot of beer drinkers. Just complete transparency and be complete, all pure candor. I went, no, no problem. No problem. I'll have a drink just for you two. <laughs> and um, just in case I brought... 10 bottles of our pineapple rum. 
which was still kind of in development at the time. We weren't, we didn't have the formulation quite down yet, mm -hmm. but we were very, very close. So this is very much development material that this crowd was getting as far as the rum base for the cocktail. And we were at a venue. We were, we were, we were, um, we were not on premise. We were definitely off premise at a, at a, at a wedding venue. So it was okay to bring alcohol in. I should preference that. Yeah. Um, and so basically, um, I created the love shack. But it was called for that wedding, the love shake, because you take Shelby and Jake together and you make shake. Oh, so we did kind of like Jennifer thing, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and um, it was, uh, it, it is, it's our signature cocktail now, thanks to, to them. And it was a love shake for that night. But afterwards we went, well, everyone's going to think a shake is a frozen drink and this is not a frozen cocktail. So we called it the love shack to pay homage to the B-52s, okay. right? Yeah. And, and, and the 80s song. And so the Love Shack is really um, a couple ounces of our pineapple rum, Rockstown pineapple rum. Uh, it's an ounce of cream of coconut, half ounce of grenadine, and then mango juice and orange juice. And shake it up, and it is delicious. It's perfect pink. The grenadine, just that touch of grenadine, makes it a little pink so you feel the love. And then it's extremely tasteful, kind of like a painkiller meets a pina colada. All right? Mm -hmm. And... Let me tell you, those cakes never floated that night. The NASCAR guys, everybody was drinking the love shake. We went through all 10 bottles of, of rum. Wow. And yeah. um, and we didn't even have any to send home with, with Shelby and Jake. So I had to meet them up a few weeks later and give them a bottle so they could have their own signature cocktail at home. <laughs> but, I mean, that was a party. And we knew right then and there that we had this signature cocktail and now uh, what we do here in Austin when we have events is we serve it in poured out pineapples. Oh, cool. So, yeah. I yeah, think I saw the, the TikTok video. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We're having a blast with that, which kind of goes back to our whole brand, like, you know, environmental awareness, and, you know, using plastic cups and stuff. Anytime that we can use fruits, whether it's a coconut and mixing our coconut rum with a coconut with the water, or use making the love shack or pina coladas in a pineapple. We're being environmentally conscious and working towards sustainability, which is a big thing for us, you know, being a rum brand and being from the islands and stuff, you yeah. know, we were really, really passionate about taking care of the environment. So as much as possible, we try to use fruit as our container and not so much plastic cups. Now we do have some plastic cups labeled, please reuse this, save the oceans. And people are very respectful. We have no problem filling their cup back up, you know, and that stays on the trash as well. Right. Well, that's, uh, that's really cool. I mean, yeah, you have a pineapple completely biodegradable or they can try to eat what's, you know, what's left of it. But uh, Oh my gosh, we just did this party barge event where we're out on the middle of Lake Travis outside of Austin, Texas, and we're on this party barge and we're, you know, I, I asked the captain before we left the dock, I'm like, I'm going to need a few trash cans. And he's like, no, man, just throw, throw the husk, throw it right overboard. The ducks will love it. And mm. I mean, we created a pineapple wreath, <laughs> and all these ducks and fish are—I mean, those ducks and fish ate well that night. I'm sure those fishermen that caught those fish the next day were like, "Wow, these guys are energetic." Yeah. I mean, there was so much pineapple husk and tops in the water, but the fish loved it. And you're absolutely right, Anthony. It's, it's totally biodegradable, yeah. as opposed to throwing a ton of plastic cups in the trash afterwards. Right. Yeah, and I bet the all the fish have now have an interesting taste to them now that they have the pineapple <laughs> zest added to them. <laughs> is this a bass or is it mahi mahi? I can't really tell. <laughs> exactly. So, okay, back to the beginning just for a few minutes. 
uh, appreciate the uh, appreciate the cocktail. It was called uh, the Love Shack or Shake, depending uh, uh, depending on the situation. It's shake, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and when you said it's not a frozen drink, I'm sure a lot of bartenders out there went, "Oh, thank God!" Just because <sighs> you know, none of us like to use a blender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know how many Starbucks employees I've gone to go get a frappuccino and they're like, sorry, the blender's down? Yeah. I totally get it. I remember bartending and, and when someone would order a blended drink, I'm like, I get you. I get you. I don't need my frap today. Yeah. I, I, I totally hear you. It's one of those days. I know. I remember. <laughs> so back uh, back to the, your origin story as a bartender. Now, you uh, you were biochem? You're, uh, you were working in a biochem yeah. lab? and Yes. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, doing something like that couldn't, uh, it was, wasn't enough for you. You just decided I'll bartend at the same time. And, you know, being a scientist, believe it or not, and you probably believe that is a very introvert position. Yeah, you know, you're in yeah. a lab you're doing experiments. Yes. You'll work with the team, but you have to do experiments by yourself. And that could be on hours and hours on end. And so, you know, really very quickly, um, they started noticing that, hey, this guy sure does talk a lot in the lab. So they moved me out into business development pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've been doing biotech uh, business development sales ever since. Um, but, you know, my passion for science and experimentation and formulation has never waned. Mm-hmm. And whether you're behind the bar coming up with a new craft cocktail, which you get to drink the result of your experiment, it doesn't get any better than that, or sip it. And start over if you're like, oh, I put too much of this in there. I put too much of that in there. You know, you get to drink it at the end of the day. Whereas experiments can be like, okay, that didn't work. All right. Next, back to the drawing board. Um, so, you know, it, it wasn't enough really because I, I love talking to people. And that's why I'm in BD for biotech as well. But still, my passion, I just remember those nights working in the clubs. And it was just meeting thousands of awesome people. Yeah. And getting to know these people is amazing. Like you'll meet regulars, right? And you'll you'll just get to know them, and they're people too, right? You just are separated by a bar. And right. some of my very good friends today are the result of just bartending, right? So now I get to actually hold the bottle and pour it, and it's something I crafted and made for our company. It's just a surreal experience that really just takes it to the next level. So after, you know, going to school and then working in a lab for however long before, or you said, what was it, two weeks before you started bartending? And Yeah, know, and I worked in the lab. I would work in the lab from like eight to five. Yeah. And then I would drive into D.C. and bartend from eight to four, run home, take a shower, go work in the lab, like sleep in my car during lunch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then go back in the lab and just live that life. And probably caught up on sleep on Mondays, yeah. you know, that's typically when we, when we didn't work or didn't have a, an event. And it was a, a surreal experience looking back. I wish I could have bottled that energy. Now, how <laughs> surreal was it though, when you're going from a introverted office, like you said, into a three, 4,000 person club, uh, was real. Yeah. Uh, so like your your first night, your first customer, they throw you behind the bar, and then you point at the first person, and they uh, and they shot your drink, uh, and then all of a sudden, twelve other people shot their drinks at the same time because they thought you were pointing at them. Now, what- yep, yeah, exactly. So I'll always remember the first guy that came up in that in that bar, and he goes, um, "I'll have a vodka cranberry." I go, "You mean a Cape Cod?" And he goes, "No, I want a vodka cranberry." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, "I want a vodka cranberry too." 
I want a vodka cranberry too. Mm. I'm like, okay, that's how this is going to go down. And I learned in the night scene. 99% of customers tell you the ingredients of what you need to make them. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And that's Everyone's not, called, I'm a Long Island. Yeah. Okay. That's not necessarily a bad thing because a lot of people will tell you how to make it, make a drink just so they know it's made right. And so <laughs> as long as you're patient with them, you know, uh, yeah. uh, I mean, like calling a vodka cran a Cape Cod, that's kind of an old fashioned terminology. I mean, I, I had a customer get mad at me one time because I didn't know exactly what a tom collins was and oh my because <laughs> uh, i i got all the collinses mixed up uh uh even after studying all the drinks and all that stuff but uh another one of my friends who uh who talked to them they're like he didn't know what a tom collins was and she, uh, she was like that's a very old term you know or but i mean what's a cuba libre rum and coke the only difference is lime on the uh on the rim and yeah but uh, it always cracks me up to screw with my friends that are bartenders to say, I'll have a Virgin Cuba Libre. And uh, I was doing that before Sheldon did it on the Big Bang Theory. But- oh, okay. I was like, oh. <laughs> I'll have a Long Island without any alcohol, please. Yeah. And no sour mix. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. No but- one should ever drink that. <laughs> But uh, it sounds like you oh, uh, sounds like you have a very analytical mind and uh, uh, very you probably studied really hard before you got uh, got behind the bar and learned how many drinks did you learn before you actually jump behind the bar? Three hundred or four hundred drinks. So when I got so you know everyone in college does some level of bartending, right? Whether mm-hmm. you're hosting the party and you're like, I brought all the liquor, I'll make the drinks tonight, or you actually work behind a bar and just pour draft beers. So I had a very basic level. And when I met Mike on the red line going into uh, Shady Grove into the monuments, um, he asked, hey, have you ever bartended before? And, you know, that's a very open-ended question coming right out of college. Right. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so uh, I got home that night and I had his business card and I went to my roommate um, and I went, hey, hey, John, uh, I got this gig, you know, potentially lined up if I get my day job. Um, you know, should I, should I, should I take, should I take it? And he's like, let me see. He goes, oh man, that's the largest nightclub in Washington, DC. Have you ever bartended before? And I went, well, that's kind of like rudimentary. I mean, like I come, I'm just coming out of college. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, no, you really need to know how to bartend. And so he told me it was the largest nightclub. There's a few thousand people there every night. So what do you do back then? You open up the yellow pages. Mm. And I found ABC Bartending School in, in the Yellow Pages, downtown D.C. So I call him up and I go that next day and I go in there. You know, we're going over this is tequila. This is gin. This is vodka. It's very much a basic class. And I remember Jay. He was the, he was the proctor. He was from Jamaica. Uh, great guy. Great accent. And he's just teaching. And then towards the end of the class, you know, it's a three hour class for all five nights, so a total of 15 hours. And then you get your little certificate on Friday. And he's like, we got into vodka that first night um, and shooting it with cranberry and orange juice and soda and how to use the soda gun, which was just kind of fun because some, some people had never even held one before. Yeah. Um, and we're doing it, and it's really much like one, two, three, four, shoot, one, two, three, four, shoot. You know, it's just doing all that kind of fun stuff. And um, I went up to him afterwards and go, hey, Jay, you know, um, I, I'm, I appreciate everything you're doing. I am learning about the history of these spirits. I appreciate it, how to hold the, the gun, which I already knew, um, all the juices. I appreciate that. 
I go, but I got this gig lined up on Friday night, and I'm just thinking I need, probably need to step on the gas a little bit here. And he's like, okay, what's your gig? And I told him I had this job at Nation. He's like, oh, man, can you give me a job there? Because that's the largest <laughs> nightclub in D.C. Yeah. I go, what? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, my class is not going to cut it for you. You need to know how to nightclub bartend. He goes, I used to nightclub bartend in Jamaica. Give me 100 bucks, stay after class for a couple hours through the week, and I'll teach you how to nightclub bartend. And sure enough, again, 100 bucks, that's 100 bucks I've ever spent in my entire life. He showed me how to nightclub bartend, and he said, by Friday, you need to be able to make 12 drinks in under a minute mm-hmm. and to the worst music you've ever heard in your entire life. <laughs> and I went, he goes, what's the worst music you've ever heard in your entire life? And I was like, I don't know, but I, had, I, like, I like everything I go, but I did just break up with this girl that loved Garth Brooks. And he goes, done. Because <laughs> that'll make you think of her. So he cracks up Garth Brooks, and I'll make a drink, and he's like, Jane and Tonic! Long Island. And I'm like, what? 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 I can't hear you. And he's like, that's how loud it's going to be in there. So, you know, mm. he didn't have a voice at the end of every teaching session with me, and I didn't have a voice, and I'm sticky and wet. And, but by Friday, sure enough, I just rolled right in there. But I knew over 300 drinks because Jay still had to teach the regular class. Right. And so I'm learning all of these classic drinks, you know. Harvey Wallbangers and Long Island and all that fun stuff. Um, and then it, I, you'd kick it up a notch in an hour and just start yelling drink names at me, and I'd have to make them real quick. But he always told me in nightclubs, it doesn't need to be any more than three ingredients. Right. <laughs> so, and it's, that's pretty much true, even to today. Yeah. You know, unless you have a, a foo foo menu. Yeah, I uh, if you go to like uh, restaurants and stuff like that, they'll have the multi liquor drinks. But I just uh, I was about to ask you in a nightclub situation, uh, isn't it just mostly just a liquor and a mixer, uh, or you know, yeah. or I mean, you got your Long Islands, but uh, but you're just gonna it. do like vo- uh, vodka crayons, rum and cokes, Jack and cokes oh, all day. Yeah. Uh, yep. Sasha tequila. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then your, you know, your regulars that you get to know, they start liking some, you know, things like, and they take care of you, right? Like I had a really good friend of Jay. He liked something called the green dinosaur, which was like a long Island, but you know, uh, you know, it was green. And so he would, he would just always make sure, um, that I had Midori there and, you know, and always like have some other stuff there. And I knew to make that for him because he would always take care of me every night. And I wouldn't mind making complex drinks for regulars. That people that were coming in, but 99% of the time it was literally shots of tequila, vodka seven, rum and coke, yeah. you know, yeah. draft beer. Um, yeah. And then you've got the match shot at the end of the night that you give to some unfortunate <laughs> customer that completely <laughs> lost the bet, you know, and you're like, here you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those are. Oh my gosh! Did you did you ever have a name for that? Like the uh, Matt shot? Like we never came up with a cool name. I'm sure there is one out there. Uh, truth being told, I never called it anything. But I would uh, I would just say here a free shot to somebody that I don't like, and <laughs> uh, then they'd shoot it and think that they were the luckiest person in the bar that night. But, and you, know, you cleaned your mat. The process. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> it's a horrible horrible joke. But you know if there's if there's somebody you don't like, your conscience forgives you really well, really quickly. Yeah, and you're the sober one; they're the inebriated one, and they're they're walking away with a smile because they just got your favorite shot. Yeah, <laughs> but it's uh, but it's got all sorts of different liquor. It's got probably half and half Coca Cola. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it's gray. Yeah, <laughs> and it smells like everything. Yeah, uh, 
is sometimes, you know, some people would be in on the joke and watch him do it and go, oh my God. Oh my God, no. <laughs> Imagine the I, if iPhones were around when I was working in that club. Oh my gosh. There would be like TikTok reels of me pouring that shot yeah. and people drinking it. Oh my gosh. Oh. Well, I'm a big fan of the, uh, the Instagram posts that I see that, uh, luckily that, uh, when I, uh, you know, when I was growing up in the eighties and nineties, there was no cell phone cameras, no TikTok, So there's no evidence of anything I did back then. But, but so the story, but so you're, uh, you're working, uh, at a high, uh, high speed nightclub music, dance music, probably, uh, blurring ears ring at the end of the night. And, uh, uh, and people just shouting their drinks at you constantly. Uh, how how was it you were able to develop uh, like regular customers or make friends when you're bartending that that fast uh, to that many people? Um, there's a few ways to make friends in that kind of environment. Number one, green. You know, if someone slides a twenty or a hundred dollar bill right here and says, "Take care of me," all of a sudden, yes, hello, thank you, and and, and regular tips, right? You remember. You remember the people that tip you and you're there when you're there making no dollars an hour, but living off the tips, that number one is like the bat signal. Yeah. And then you get to know them and then they're like, Hey, um, you know, they'll write down like uh, when they're signing a check, Hey, I really had a good time tonight. I'd love to come earlier. Can you put me on the VIP list or something like that? And so then they would start coming in, you know, the good ones, like good regulars, I get to know because of that. And I would probably have 10 or 20. I put on a VIP list, friends of the bartender. They, and a lot of times they would come early then because they would just show up and then have a couple of drinks. Sometimes I, I would drink with them before going on shift mm. and then go. Um, and a lot of these, these these regulars from when I was bartender, I'm still friends with today. And thanks to like Instagram and Facebook, we stayed in touch. Um, and it's just awesome. Now we're all older and wiser, <laughs> probably not visiting as many nightclubs as we used to, but mm. that's how we did it. You know, whether it was through tips or just, you, you can read as a bartender, I think good people. Yeah. I think as well, like you hear, please, thank you. I mean, hearing that in a nightclub in a hostile environment where people are just yelling, vodka seven, vodka seven, rum and go, rum and go, beer. And then someone says, hey, may I please have a drink? I'm like, wow, you know, that's someone that just, has manners. Yeah. So that's someone that I'll pay attention to. So you start hearing those little things. And I think manners is a lost art. Uh, and just if, it's, if a regular or someone uses that, that goes a long way when someone says please and thank you. Yeah. You know, that's huge in my book. Um, and I grew up in the South too. So that, that, you know, when I was bartending in DC and bartending in San Francisco, when I would hear please and thank you, where we say it all the time in the South, uh, I was like, wow, where are you from? <laughs> 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 usually they were from there, but maybe have parents from the South or something. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just really cool. So, yeah, the tips and the manners play, played a huge part in me developing relationships with my regulars. Right. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. And then a lot of times people just, if you make a good drink, a consistently good drink, they start all, all of a sudden looking out for you. Mm -hmm. Like a couple of my friends today I met, like, hey, they, they would say, hey, you can't stand in front of the register. Can't stand in front of the register. And you're like, hey, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Wow. Someone finally gets it. And they're like, no, no, no. We've got to make sure we get our drinks, too. You know, and if someone's standing in front of the register blocking it, then people can't order. And they got to serve over and you got to serve over people. Mm. So that played a big thing, too. So one of my really good friends, he used to be my manager. Kind of. I'm, 
I mean, my uh, cash register, like segregated, like of people, hey, hey, don't stand in front of the register. Mm. And I, I love that. I know I said, you know, you used to do that all the time. It's like, man, you always made a consistently good drink and you always paid attention to it. Yeah. So I felt like obligated to make sure no one was standing in front of the register. And truth be told, one of those violators was Pink. Oh, really? Um, the artist. Yeah. She was standing in front of my register and my buddy went, hey, you can't stand in front of the register. She went, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I went, no problem. She turned over. And I looked at her and she, she, you could see her hair coming down. I went, she went, yes. <laughs> and she's like, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. And she gave me 50 bucks. She goes, don't tell anyone and just serve me drinks here all night. She just wanted to like hang out yeah. and just people watch. Yeah. It was the craziest thing. She was in town for a concert, but went out afterwards and just wanted to just be part of the crowd and not have anyone pay attention to her. And she was hanging out by my register all night. It was the most surreal thing in the world. So she really is really nice person. By the way. She is as genuinely nice as she seems on talk shows and whatnot. Uh, Absolutely. I, I often wonder that <laughs> about yeah, a you, lot of you do, right? You, but yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's crazy. I, I'm sure there's the good ones, the bad ones and the weird ones for sure. Sure. <laughs> Pink is in the good category. <laughs> so, uh, after you were done doing your uh, run through there, you went to San Diego. Were you bartending out there too? San Francisco. Or yep. San Francisco. San Francisco. Was it a club uh, atmosphere? A high end bar. Was it a club atmosphere too, or? No, it was a high end bar and a hotel bar. Oh. Um, that was, this was, this hotel was right across the street from my 300 square foot apartment. That's all <laughs> I could afford to rent. San That's, yeah. And, and I just went, you know what? I am bored as heck out here. I'm going to go keep bartending. And I got a job as a hotel bar. It was a very high end hotel bar. So I immediately go from plastic cups to glass, mm. you know, and it's like, okay, finally I'm back to glass. This is cool. And we'd have maybe 20 or 25 people a night. Yeah. That was it. But it was all like high-end whiskeys. Um, really developed a great appreciation for the dark spirits there. But still loved rum. And was drinking rum behind behind the counter um, all the time. And uh, then I became bar manager there uh, as well while doing the day job. Because the, the hotel cocktail bars there, a lot of them really didn't kick into high gear until nighttime. Because sure. everyone's working during the day. And then you got all these business travelers coming in. And, and, the, and the bar starts to get hopping around 8 or 9 o'clock at night. You know, they're all coming back from their dinners, their business meetings, and they're going to come either wind down or carry the business meeting into the hotel bar lot. And that was a surreal experience because um, just meeting all these people in a, and really getting to know people then yeah. because you're just talking to people, that was awesome. Um, and it, it was, it was a much slower pace, which was kind of appreciated after being in like, like the Audubon. Yeah. I was wondering if, if it was like explosive decompression from you from going from high speed bartending <laughs> to, uh, yeah, I'll get that for you. Give me a second. Uh, yeah. You'll, you know, just, yeah. you know, just what you can have, you can afford they're to like, serve one person at a time. Make it real quick. Yeah. Like, Here you go. And they're like, Whoa, you made that way too fast. No, I, I no. <laughs> It was it was awesome. It was really it was kind of going from like Ferrari to golf cart. Yeah. Um, but it was after that after doing four years of this hardcore bartending, it was really appreciated. It was a great way to wind down my bartending career. Um, and it was it was great. Just finished with the classics like old fashions, a lot of old fashions. Sure. Um, and and not so much rum still because rum really hasn't evolved that much. Um, and so it's always been the classic rum cocktails until recently with the craft movement, you're starting to see a whole lot more fun. 
Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that was, that was so much fun. I, I just, I had a blast. And now with Rockstown, when I get to jump behind the bar for some events off premise, um, those, those, those are so much fun. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of get that, just, you know, dip in a little bit, help out. And when I do help out with the bartenders that we have at our events, I always give all the tips to the bartenders. Mm-hmm. Like, just think of me as extra muscle and, and that's it. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm just an extension of your arm. You keep it. So that's been a lot of fun too. And they're like, how do you make those drinks so fast? I'm like, Long story, 10,000 <laughs> people a night. <laughs> so you went from a bar, uh, bartending at a nightclub not getting an hourly wage. Did you receive an hourly wage when you worked at the hotel? Yeah, uh, $8 an hour. Because uh, I've I've heard only in the last year that it is very, very common on in on the East Coast that they don't pay their bartenders an hourly wage. They, the bartenders work solely for tips, but then a lot of people are also saying that they're also getting screwed because – they have to take a portion of their tips and tip out the cooks, tip out the bussers, the hosts, and they yeah. end up walking home with like 40% of what exactly they made that night. Uh, was yeah, that the same case? I, I, um, yes and no. So on the East Coast, I made two thirteen an hour. I remember that. And I would get negative paychecks because our bar manager would always guess how much our tips were, enter that into the number, and those tips were, you know, would force us to have a negative paycheck. I remember getting negative paychecks all the time, and you just throw those away. But at the end of the night, we were we each had our own station. We had twelve stations in this nightclub, and we got to keep our own tips. So that was really cool. Every once in a while, we would pull tips if if, if the event asked for it. But most of the time, it's like here's your tip jar, here's your here's your thing, and just go to town. You know, a ton of wet ones. I can't even, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the night when we're counting money, we just throw them against the wall and wait for them to fall off. That's how they became dry. <laughs> and we would go home with between 500 to $1,000 a night. Okay. And so-, so I had no problem tipping out my barbacks mm-hmm. at all because that barback is working their tail off to make sure that we can earn that much. And he's probably walking home with more than us, you know, after, you know, I'd always give him at least 20, 25% because he worked so hard. And then if he got that, from all the other bartenders, he was definitely going home with more money. So we always took care of him. And he, we, we had one bar back and he was awesome. He was a runner. He was like the ammo guy. You see in war movies, running back and forth, <laughs> going back and forth. So, um, yeah. And then when I went to the East coast, made all, didn't make that kind of money, go home with a couple hundred dollars a night, but I didn't really have to share it with anyone either. Cause I would cut my own lines, cut my own limits do my own garnishes and fruit. I was my own bar back. Um, and the chef would get tipped out by waiters and I would tip them out if any of the people around my bar ordered food. But the majority of the time there was a restaurant over here and then there was a bar over here. And so we really never had to tip out the chefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was my own bar back. So I never had to tip out anybody else and I've never really worked in a pooled environment. So I was, I guess, lucky in that aspect, but I could absolutely see, and have, having had talked to friends, where you have different bartenders with different work ethics. And if you're pulling tips, and one person likes to socialize and one person likes to make drinks, exactly. it's not really fair. Yeah. So, um, you know, I like the independent commission uh, <laughs> model, and um, especially in nightclubs. Um, I always thought if you work hard, you should get paid hard. That was just my philosophy, mm-hmm. for sure. Definitely. Mint Mobile has reimagined the wireless shopping experience and made it way easier. There's no stores, no salespeople, no nonsense. 
Just a huge savings on the nation's largest, most reliable 5G network. With plans as low as $15 a month, you have unlimited talk, unlimited text, and you can find the perfect data plan that suits you. You can even bring your old phone if you're still used to it. Or if you want to get rid of your old phone and upgrade, Mint Mobile has a large selection of phones for you to choose from. Just follow the link for Mint Mobile in the description of this podcast. Check out the plans and the opportunities for you to save some money with your new wireless service. Go to mintmobile.com today. Hey, bartender. Okay, so we've talked about your credentials so far. You've got uh, definite bartender history. You also have a history in uh, biology and you know working with whatever. Uh, and, uh, so one day... When did you decide to start Rock Sound Rum? How did that come about? I know. Here here I have um, four kids, and now I want to start a rum brand. Mm -hmm. So very fortunate that my wife and I went on a Caribbean vacation, and we brought both of our sets of parents. She brought her parents. I brought my parents. We came together. And I remember that trip being a little stressful, (laughs) but... (laughs) At the same time, we had a lot of fun because you're in paradise. And I remember sitting down at this bar. No wood floors, no carpet. It's just sand. Mm-hmm. And there's a table, chairs, wicker chairs even, you know. And it might have even been a card table for the table that we were eating <laughs> on. It was very much a beach bar. And the guy, before he even brought out the water, brings out shots of vanilla rum. Mm-hmm. All right? So now here we are, the six of us all with a shot of vanilla rum. And then, then he goes, does, does anybody want water? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we have these shots of vanilla rum in front of us. And we're like, sure, bring water. And so we all do cheers. We do the shot. My dad goes, hey, and bring another shot of vanilla rum. You know, and so we all had two shots of vanilla rum before we even had the water. And that really just brought us together. And rum has always been my favorite spirit mm-hmm. growing up in Florida. And so here we are back in Austin. And my wife has just sold her company. She, she, my wife is the love of my life, my soulmate, my role model. She's the CEO of a very large concrete coatings company that she took from her garage to an international company. And she's just, you know, finally done, just sold the company. I'm like, honey, I think I can make a better rum than anything that's out there. And she looks at me and she, and she went, really? I'm like, yeah. You remember the vanilla rum we had? I go, I can make something better than that. And you remember how that brought us together? And she went, okay, go for it. And this was right around Father's Day a couple, a few years ago. So Father's Day is like a couple of days away. Next thing for Father's Day, I open up and there's a rum barrel. Mm. And she goes, there you go. There you go. Go make the best rum ever created, Dad. And <laughs> you know, all the kids are like, here you go, Dad. Here's a barrel. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I went, okay. So every, t- every night when the kids went to bed, I'm breaking out the chemistry books. I'm breaking out some stuff. I'm going to town and now have over 25 barrels going, aging, playing with different formulations and aging, advanced aging, trying to think of new techniques um, and new flavors. Um, I'm doing everything from infusion to injection to aging. I'm like going crazy. I'm reading as many books as I can, as many articles as I can. So I finally come up with um, this incredible smoked vanilla rum. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's 
it's smoked over mesquite wood um, and the vanilla and the whole nine yards. And my wife goes, well, you should try with coconuts. I went, oh, that's great. Because I should preface, my wife is from the islands. Her family's from Guam, which is over in the Pacific. Sure. Um, and when I met my wife, her father loved to smoke all kinds of food, whether it was a pig in the ground or ribs or brisket being smoked. It was being smoked in the smoker, like no charcoal, using wood, the whole nine yards, burying them in the ground, you know, with the hot coals, all that fun stuff. So I'm leaning on him like, hey, how do you smoke? How do you smoke this? How do you smoke that? And he does, we're in Austin. He does the old-fashioned Yeah, and he does the old-fashioned way. He doesn't use a trigger or anything like that. Nothing. Yeah. Like literally just digs a hole in the ground. Like one of our first dates, my wife and I went back to her parents' house, and I helped dig him a pig out of the ground. You know? <laughs> okay. And so this is so much fun. And so I'm taking all this knowledge from bartending. I'm taking all this knowledge from science. I'm taking all this knowledge from my wife's family's culture. I'm taking this experience that we had in the Caribbean. And, I, and I'm living in Austin, Texas, the barbecue capital of the world, it feels like. Yeah. No offense, Florida. I love Florida barbecue. I still still some of my favorite barbecue in North Carolina and Kansas City. But Texas can seriously smoke some brisket. Yeah. You know, there's wood everywhere, you know. And so I get I'm, – I'm, I take a couple steps back. I'm going in to get donuts for my kids one Sunday morning, and there's a guy outside selling mesquite wood. And he's just got this big tray. And he's like, hey, would you like to buy some mesquite wood? I'm like, what's that? I had no idea. And he's like, oh, that's what everyone's using on barbecues, da 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 So I sat there, talked to him for 30 minutes, bought a bunch of logs, took him back to my green egg, and just started experimenting with mesquite. Fell in love with mesquite wood. And so started developing all of this. It all comes together. And here we go. We have smoked vanilla rum. We have smoked coconut rum. I had pineapple rum, key lime rum, grapefruit rum, mango rum, dragon fruit rum. I had, by the time I was done, I had 56 different types of rum. And I played around with so many global distilleries that I had the perfect light rum. Uh And I just went, oh my gosh, this is amazing. When people make light rum, they typically give you the light rum. It's there in the bottle here. I'm showing you our bottle. Right here, it's just, this, is so, this is right out of a pot. Um, it's been distilled. Throw it in the bottle. There you go, right? Mm-hmm. What I did was do something that I haven't really seen a lot. I blended some light rums together. Like take the best of this light rum, the best of this light rum, and the best of this light rum. Create a, fav- a flavor formulation that doesn't taste like a neutral grain spirit. It actually tastes like a light rum that you can actually drink neat. Like, I know that sounds crazy. You would never go, hey, give me some light rum, and I'm going to drink it neat. I've never heard so you that. Just, yeah. no, no, I would never do that. <laughs> but after playing around for 18 months, you can enjoy this light rum neat. I know that sounds crazy, and I have some bottles on the way to here, so you can enjoy them. Sweet. And um, you can. You can. Now, our, our unicorn, without a doubt, is our smoked coconut rum. We, we all realize that because it doesn't taste like toasted coconut, oven roasted coconut, microwave coconut, whatever coconuts are out there. This is very much smoked coconut. You can, you can taste the mesquite, you can taste the coconut, and you can taste the liquor because it's 35% ABV. This isn't like Malibu, you know, this, mm-hmm. this, which is a low ABV uh, spirit liqueur. This is a high ABV, 35% 70 proof rum. So you can't drink it like Malibu, you know, it's going to hit you hard after a couple of drinks. So you want to drink in moderation and really enjoy it. Um, 
So yeah, so we developed this. I have 56 different types of rum. Clearly, you can't go to market with 56 different types yeah, of you, rum. You would and, take up an entire kiosk. I mean, <laughs> yeah, why not? Right? Maybe that'll be the dream someday. But um, I, we were. I was at that point. I was. I just wanted to create the rum. I wanted to be the Beastie Boys of the rum. Mm-hmm. All right, and if you know Beastie Boys, I, I'm a huge Beastie Boys fan, and. What Beastie Boys did for hip-hop was help evolve it. There's, there's nothing wrong with hip-hop. Hip-hop yeah. is awesome. Old-school hip-hop rocks. But I, don't, I think even uh, hip-hop would agree that it, it, there was a way it could evolve. And here you got these three crazy white guys come, and they help evolve the genre. They help create these things, make music videos super cool, not just people singing and a microphone in front. They create these fun, lively music videos. They create these beats that are really catchy and fun and they merge different styles of music together. And if you watch that documentary um, that's on Apple about the DC boys, it's just amazing to see all their influences. So we really feel like we're the beastie boys of the rum industry. We actually pay homage to the beastie boys on our label. Rock sound is the beastie boys greatest hit spot. So that's our subliminal nod to those guys. Those guys rock. And what we want to do is just help rum evolve because it's been a few centuries, let's be honest. Yeah. So rum is, since rum has been super cool and fun, um, I love a lot of the stuff Bacardi is doing around music. It's phenomenal. And that's kind of like what we're doing as well, just targeting uh, the multicultural millennial, the millennial audience, and just saying, hey, the spirit is fun. It's exciting. Um, it's built on great flavor. It's built on a great spirit. And it's built on diversity and inclusion and a heck of a lot of yum and fun. So we kind of wrapped it all in um, to one bottle. And so we have these 56 flavors that I'm super passionate about, right? And and I'm not even thinking about a brand at this point. Mm. I'm just thinking about, I now have the best rum that I can enjoy for the rest of my life. I don't need to go to the liquor store anymore. That's (laughs) what I'm thinking. And I'm at, the, I'm at our community pool with a family friends, and they went, man, you should really, you should really think about launching this. And they knew some people in the spirits industry, and they got the wheels going. Mm. And the more I started talking about rock sound and introducing them, people went, wow, this is rum? This isn't rum. I go, you're right. It's rock sound. Mm-hmm. It's not rum. It's rock sound. And that's really what we want people to just enjoy. Have rock sound. It is rum. Um, but it's more than rum. We're evolving here. We're helping making rum super cool and fun again. And all those spirits, I love, I have so many different rums. They're all awesome. But it is an aged bottle look. And mm-hmm. that is kind of like its theme. You know, there's yeah. a lot of sea monsters and skeletons and pirates. And yeah, that, that's not us. <laughs> <laughs> but we love them. They taste phenomenal, yeah. uh, but we just felt we helped evolve a little bit, um, both on the flavor and in the imagery a little. So uh, on the business side, though, you're uh, you're getting started. Now, here's a, here's a stupid question that has popped up in my mind a long time. You said you've been doing this for a couple of years? Uh, yes. Yeah. And I've always uh, wondered when you, you're starting out a, uh, a spirit uh, uh, brand, uh, I'm always thinking about things like uh, whiskey or scotch where people really don't pay attention to you until maybe after the five-year mark. And so the first five years of business have to suck. <laughs> and, you know, cause oh, they, this is not a journey for the week. Yeah. <laughs> this is definitely not a journey for the week. You have to love it and, and just be passionate about it. Um, and 
And if it takes off, that's awesome. If it doesn't, that's awesome because I have my favorite spirit for the rest of my life. Like it's like getting your favorite car, right? You've got your favorite car now. My favorite car I got 20 years ago and I still drive it. I got an F-150 lifted F-150. I was the only person in San Diego <laughs> with a lifted F-150 driving downtown, but that was my dream car. I used to snowboard a heck of a lot and I wanted to have a life insurance policy. When I would go to the mountains, going from the sand to the snow, you know, I was tired of putting on chains. So I got my dream car, and I still drive the exact same car. It's 20 years old, and I love it. And that'll be what rock sound is. If it doesn't take off, I, we, we hope it does. But if it doesn't, you know, I still have my dream spirit. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's a win-win. Now, the business side, though, is, is, is tough. There's no, there's no lie about it. It's not for the weak. Um, um, when I first decided to do this. I, I should tell this story if I, if I have time. Oh, you got I, plenty I of time. time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so when we first started this journey and I tell my wife, I'm like, I, I want to make the best rum ever created. And she went, okay. All right. She goes, you do it. I'll be the CEO. And, and that was like, wow, that's huge. That's like, um, you're your role model now saying I'll run it if you do it. Mm-hmm. So I went, okay. I was very motivated then because I knew I had a best in class entrepreneurial spirit, C-suite executive ready to take this forward. And our wife, my wife is the CEO of the company. So what do you do when you say, hey, I want to start a distillery? You Google you know, <laughs> how to start a distillery. I mean, you know, that's what you do. And, um, and so I find Moonshine University. Um, they're based in Louisville, Kentucky. And um, you can go and take a wonderful six, seven-day course and learn how to make any spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's very pricey. But you learn everything from gin to vodka tequila, the mezcal, the whiskeys, the bourbons, the scotches, you, 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 you learn them all. And I went, wow, that's what I'm going to do. I can't wait to learn rum and all the other spirits. So I go back to my wife with this big price tag and I went, Hey, I want to go learn how to do this. And she's like, well, all you want to do is learn rum. Why do you need to learn about whiskey and tequila and vodka? And I went, good point. She goes, just go find out who the teacher is for the rum section. It can't be the same person. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, they have a proctor for each spirit. One person does whiskey, one person does um, tequila, one per- and they fly these people in. Well, I Google, and sure enough, Luis Ayala, he is the rum teacher for Moonshine University. And I Google LinkedIn. That's where you go to next when you want to look yeah. up a name. <laughs> go there. Luis Ayala, Austin, Texas. I went what out of all i thought for sure he was going to come from the caribbean yeah like for sure or florida yeah. right at the very not least like Hutt- 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 it's actually hot of texas but austin area yeah and i went get out of here so i reached out to him and i tell him what i want to do and he's like come up let me talk you out of it <laughs> and so i drive over to his, his place and you know it turned in what was supposed to be an hour-long meeting i was there for five hours yeah and He's an amazing, he and his wife, Margaret, are amazing. Um, and he, he is a pro. He is the proctor for the rum section. And he also is a spirit professional for rum. Um, who goes around speaking. Um, he, he is uh, an amazing person for the rum industry. And here he is in my backyard. Um, just, just salt of the earth people and just a brilliant mind. He was a, a chemical engineer. And so he's got all this experience. So here I am talking about science. He's trying to talk me out. He's like, Joel, if you've got a zillion dollars or whatever you have, 
and you're thinking about starting a, a, a distillery or a brand in the spirit industry, take that money, get your closest friends and go sail around the world. Don't, don't start a brand. <laughs> and I'm like, he tried to discourage you. Okay. Out of it. And he, yeah. And I, and I'm like, okay, he's trying, you know, he's telling me the truth. And yeah, looking back, I may have done that after I had started this though. I was like already in love with rock sound, our spirit flavor formulation. So there was no going back because I had to have my perfect spirit. And so I was just very fortunate to have him here. And he, he and I really developed this bond and now I write for his magazine, Got Rum Magazine, as the cocktail scientist. Oh, wow. So because of my bartending background, I know a lot of cocktails. Mm -hmm. um, and no one has ever looked at the phenotypic and genotypic properties of cocktails and looked at the science behind them. Like, why is the painkiller so high in calories? And why is the Love Shack pink? What is the, what is, why, why, are, why are those colors making it that way? What, what is the difference between this and that on the science side. And so I start with very much, if you've read, I don't know if you or your audience have ever read um, scientific paper, but the scientific papers that you read that scientists write really are a, 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 the same format. There's an introduction, there's a materials and methods. Everyone did a science project in high school. Yeah. And it's really that. Yeah. The introduction, the materials and methods, the discussion, the results, and then the, the conclusion and the bibliography. Right. I write my article in that format. So I write a white paper on every single cocktail. And I've been writing now for the magazine for a little over two years and have researched over 30 cocktails. Um, and it's just fascinating what I'm learning um, about a lot of these cocktails. Like, for example, the daiquiri was really developed to fight scurvy, you know, for these sailors traveling oh, yeah. um, across the Atlantic, getting scurvy, which is a deficiency in vitamin C. Right. And then the water going bad on those trips. So you add alcohol to it and some lime, oranges, or lemons. And that vitamin C plus the alcohol keeps the water from turning and at the same time prevents the sailors from getting scurvy. And that really was how the daiquiri came about. And a lot of cocktails like the daiquiri, like the grog, came about that way. And then you've got like the Bahama Mama, who the gentleman who developed that, he's in his late 80s. He's still alive. And he made that cocktail as a tribute to Bahama Mama, who is a, a woman in the Bahamas who was fighting for women's rights. And she was nicknamed the Bahama Mama. Oh. So he made this cocktail in honor of her. He is still alive. When this whole COVID thing is done, I can't wait to go down to the Bahamas. And God rest his soul, I hope he's still there. I want to meet him yeah. and meet the guy that created the Bahama Mama. So there's really this Anthony Bourdain element of cocktails out there for some of these people that have developed these cocktails, and I'm only in the rum channel. Yeah. So imagine vodka, tequila, mezcals, and whiskeys. But a lot of the classic cocktails that are out there are rum cocktails. Mm -hmm. You know, you go on vacation, nine times out of 10, you're probably getting a rum cocktail. And people like to blame high calories, but they're not all that way. Right. And it really is calories in, calories out. Yeah, you, know, you, you just have to be careful. Yeah, I've been on one uh, cruise, and I know you know I noticed majority of their specialty drinks were rum drinks, and uh, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, that's nice. But I'm not much of a drinker. I'm very bad at it. I'm, uh, I tell that to everybody <laughs> on my podcast constantly. But when you're on vacation, you gotta uh, you know go with it a little bit. But uh, I'm not a heavy drinker at all. But I, that was my first thing. Is just like, okay, rum drink, rum drink, rum drink, rum drink. But I know. <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah, and it, it fairly much is. I mean, you got the hurricanes, the pina coladas, the painkillers, the uh -huh. daiquiris. You know, they're 
they're all, the Bahama Mamas, you know, they're all out there um, waiting for you on your summer vacation. And it's great. And what we, what, what I did was with rock sound, I wanted to, obviously a rum can be used in those cocktails, but I didn't want it to align with those cocktails by any means. I, I, I developed it so that it could be that plus one, that easy peaky that you could do at home. So whether you're adding, you know, soda water to our smoked coconut rum, which is delicious in its own, or serving our light rum with your favorite mixer, which could be Diet Coke. So like the American Diabetes Association says you can have light rum and Diet Coke all day. There's no sugar in that at all. So there are ways to do this. And I do think rum's got a bad rap because it does come from sugar cane, even though there's no sugar in it by the time it's still. (laughs) And you have these cruise ships that are throwing these blended drinks like the Miami Bites and the Pina Coladas at uh-huh. you. Um, it, it is what it is, uh, but we have found a niche where we can just have fun, and our rum is delicious on its own, on the rocks, or with your favorite mixer. And then certainly you can put it in those big cocktails if you want to have it that way. Right. So um, what you did in my mind when you all of a sudden woke up one morning and said, I want to – make my own rum that was a extreme roll of the dice i mean uh that a very gutsy move in my opinion now there are other bartenders out there that have uh dreams aspirations whether it's to do what you did or to do something completely different like being a writer actor or you know do you have advice for people that are uh about to make a leap of faith like kind of like you did and I, this, I absolutely. Um, and it goes back to something I learned when I was in college. When I was in college, um, I was obviously taking science courses. Um, but I was always passionate about English. I loved writing. I loved reading. So, you, you know, in college, I had to take two English classes. Um, and, and most people take English one and English two, and then they're done. Mm-hmm. Um, I took English one, and then... I couldn't get into English too because it was booked and I saw a Nobel prize and Pulitzer winning authors. And I went, Whoa, that's heavy. And my mom was an English major. And I said, what do you think about this? And my mom said, take it, see what happens. And the teacher was Dr. James Haskins. And he was the most amazing man I've ever met. James Haskins wrote the book, the cotton club, which was a movie with Richard Gere. And I think Gregory Hines and it's about Harlem. And uh, during Prohibition. Okay. And he was an amazing man. He lived in New York. And on Tuesdays, would fly down to Gainesville, Florida. I went to University of Florida. And then on, he would teach his class on Wednesdays and then fly back on Thursdays. That was his life. And I took all five classes that he taught. I didn't stop after my English 2 experience. Um, I, I took all five classes. And after my fifth class, he pulled me aside and he called everyone by their last name. Mr. Lakovich, congratulations. You just got a minor in English. <laughs> and I went, whoa, get out of here. He goes, yes, at the University of Florida, if you take five English classes, you get a minor. And he goes, you seem very passionate about English. And I'm like, I'm passionate about English, but also your teaching style, and you, you're just really good at teaching. And he went, thank you. He goes, let me tell you something, words of advice. Everyone in their life should write a book. Who cares what it's about? It could be about dogs butterflies, your experiences, whatever, but write a book because you'll learn a whole lot more about yourself writing that book than the actual book you write. Mm. 
And I did that. So I wrote a book. Um, when we had twins, I wrote a book about being a father of multiple children. And from that experience, in what he said, just do it, which is like the Nike slogan. And I know it's kind of lame, but it's true. Just do it. So if you have an idea, just do it. And you don't have to go start a spirits brand, but write it all out, write it all out on paper. Write your business plan. Write your plan. Write your creative thoughts. A lot of people have great ideas, but they don't go and write it down, do the research. They say, oh, I want to do this. I really want to start this. I want to try and do this. I want to learn how to skydive, climb Mount Rushmore, start a spirits brand, become president of the United States. And they say it, but they don't actually go out and do it or try and do it. And when I started writing the book, I was like, oh man, how am I going to write this book? How, how, how do you write a book? I don't even know how to write a book. I just know there's a table of contents and then some chapters. Mm-hmm. And I've read a thousand of them. But I remember in, his, in the back of my mind, him just saying, just do it. And so that's what I did. I just started writing a sentence. Then I wrote another sentence. Then I wrote another sentence. Next thing you know, I had a chapter. I went, holy cow, this makes absolutely no sense. (laughs) But I had started. And a chapter actually became three chapters because I was all over the place. And then I ended up creating a book. And the same thing with the spirits thing. I didn't know where to begin. I had zero idea. I Googled. I started talking to people smarter than me. And I continued to talk to people smarter than me and seek out people being smarter than me. And the number one thing I have found through this entire thing, and even going back to when I wrote my book, be curious. Mm-hmm. Got to be curious because you have to be curious and you can't stop being curious. Even if you think you're an expert at something, the moment you stop being curious, it's over. It really is. I, I don't know everything about cocktails. I definitely don't know everything about rum. I will never know everything about rum, cocktails or science or being a father. Mm-hmm. But, so I'm going to continue to be curious. Yeah, And just listen to people. And that has been amazing. Just listening to people and being curious. And that's how you start. You just do it and you be curious and don't stop and become obsessive compulsive about it. Right. And that's really what I would do when the kids would go down at seven thirty, eight o'clock. I would work in the kitchen until three in the morning sometimes and just play my music and just, <laughs> and just go and read, study, laptop experiment. Um, and it's just fascinating. And so I think that's kind of goes almost with almost anything you want to do in life. Just do it and be curious and don't stop. You just can't stop. Even with this brand, now that we have this, I'm not stopping. This is just the beginning. This is just a package. Now I have to hopefully convince, um, as many bartenders as I meet and as many people as I meet to try it, Mm -hmm. just try it. And if you don't like it, that's fine. I want to know why you don't like it. Because I take deconstructive and constructive criticism equally, and I think you have to in anything that you do. You cannot take it personal because everyone's got different taste buds. Right. You know, uh, it'd be boring if everyone had the same taste bud. Exactly. (laughs) But uh, I have to agree with you on every aspect of what you just said, because when I first started doing this podcast, it was kind of a test. The first 10 episodes were kind of a test run. And I I ran into another podcaster who did uh, workplace safety podcasts. And he gave me two very, very pieces of uh, big pieces of valuable advice. The first piece of advice was don't take a sleeping pill and laxative at the same time. And uh, the other one was just keep going. Eventually, people will come to you. And uh, I've that's kind of what I'm done. 214 episodes later, here I am. But 
yeah, I was looking at your file. I was like, wow, holy cow, this is <laughs> awesome. And you got the voice, you got the look, you got it down. You're, you're yeah. You give, give your, somebody needs to give you a television channel. Let's go. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> Um, but, uh, that was a great piece of advice. Thank you so much uh, for sharing that, uh, with me and my listeners. Um, so, uh, we're about to wrap up here. So, uh, why don't you tell people how they can, uh, find out more about Brock Sound Rum, more about, uh, uh, you or, uh, what you do, um, you know, tell them about your social media, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Rock Sound comes in four products, our original light rum, our original spice drum, our smoked coconut rum, and um, our pineapple rum. And all four products are now available in the Austin area. Finally. Yeah, you were telling um, me that you're uh, you're starting to uh, get in liquor stores here and there. Yeah, and that's really hard. Getting the distributor is, is really hard, and it's very much like dating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like me? Do they like me? Do you like me? Do you, you know? <laughs> uh, no, I'm already seeing someone. Okay, that's okay. I'm here, <laughs> you know. Um, and we found a, a wonderful distributor. And now we are in one store in Houston, and it's just starting to expand, and we're hoping to be in Total Wine, um, as well as Twin and Austin Shaker here in the Austin area, but then also start growing to outer states once we get more regional coverage here. We're still very young. We're in our infancy. No one's had us yet. But what we really like doing is, is, is showing people who we are on Instagram. And with so many different social media platforms today, uh, we feel it's really important to really focus on one or two. And we decided to focus on Instagram. And the reason why is with the other social media sites, which are all awesome, it's so easy to go on a tangent, whether the next video is something completely different or someone messages you and is like, hey, look at this. On Instagram, it's really like a scrapbook of who you are. And we feel that our IG page on Instagram is the face the social media face of the company. It's really, if you were to look at the, those nine pictures, those nine picture grids that show up when it pops up, those nine photos will give you a good sense of who, what, how, and what we are. Mm. And you can just look at that and go, that's a cool brand, hopefully. <laughs> and go, I want to learn a little bit more. So we try and route everyone to Instagram. Yes, we're on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, the, all of them. But we really focus on Instagram, and that's where we do our posts and try and push our other posts. And yeah, maybe our SEO isn't as high as it should be on those other social media platforms. But honestly, honestly, we really don't care because at the end of the day, social media platforms aren't a real place. No. They aren't. Definitely not. But the bottle on the shelf is, and the bottle in your liquor cabinet at home is, and the bottle on the bartender's shelf is a real place. And so we see them more as windows, and that's it. And I know a lot of people live on social media, and that is totally fine, but it's not a real place. We're, we're all about enabling the bartender. In fact, this bottle was designed on purpose to have a long neck to make it easier for bartenders. Mm-hmm. I remember bartending. I hated holding cannonballs in small little bottles yeah. and pouring drinks. The Chambord bottle or – easy as possible. Yeah. Totally. Or uh, so 1800 bottle. That's where you'll find <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're a thin bottle, easy to pick up, easy to pour. We, we pour well with the other three to make a Long Island. You know, we want to make it easy on the bartender. So you can find us on Instagram. You can find us at local liquor stores here in the Austin area and soon expand. And pretty soon we'll have a buy now function online and we'll ship all over the United States or at least 30 states. There's 20 states that still do not allow liquor coming in. But at least we'll, our footprint will be out there if you want to. Unfortunately, you have to pay for shipping. 
but um, you'll at least be able to get rocks down that way. Right. So right now, Austin area, soon by now online for about 30 states, um, and hopefully in more states soon as we just grow humbly and with more people by word of mouth than word of taste, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, so that's at Rock Sound Rum, right, on Instagram? Yeah, so you could go to, yep, at Rock Sound Rum on Instagram or on TikTok. I think we're Drink Rock Sound. Um, but we're at Rock Sound Rum on Instagram and our website is drinkrocksoundrum.com or drinkrocksound.com. So, um, you know, please, please check us out at, at Rock Sound Rum on Instagram and at Drink Rock Sound um, on, uh, on our website. And I think you'll get a great vibe for who we are. Hopefully you'll either be coming to Austin or Houston or Texas and uh, you'll be able to taste some Rock Sound. Oh, definitely. I'll, uh, I'm not that far away from you, but uh, just far enough to where it uh, can't do it on a weekend, really. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if you're closer, I'd just hand and drop it off. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, Joel, thank you so much for taking the time to be on Hey Bartender podcast and telling us about uh, your life in Rock Sound Rum. Uh, this was amazing. Uh, I've, I've never had anybody uh, talk about a spirit that they've made on the show before, so this is a different area for me. Well, it, it all started with, with bartending. It did. Yeah. So um, I'm passionate about the entire industry, uh, from the bartender to the cocktail to the spirit. And uh, just having the opportunity to be on this show today and seeing what you created and creating a, a platform for us to talk and get our word and message out there is awesome. Thank you so much, Anthony. Thank you so much for your time today absolutely. For, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, people. It is last call. Last call for alcohol get your last drink before i get out of here uh special thanks to joel lakovich for being on the show and talking about rock sound rum uh go check them out on their instagram page or uh, check out their website drinkrocksound.com they uh really represent themselves really awesome and uh i can't uh, i haven't received uh the gift yet but uh, i can't wait to receive it i'm sure it's going to be awesome and when I do get it, I'll tell you guys about it. Uh, just keep watching TikTok, and I'll do a reveal uh, on that. As always, special thanks to Laura Hope and the Arctones for their song, Dr. Bartender, at the beginning of the show. Go check them out, Laura Hope and the arc-tones.com. You can also find them on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you download your music. Remember to share, like, and subscribe, and please leave a review of Hey Bartender Podcast wherever you listen to Hey Bartender Podcast episodes. If you want to follow Hey Bartender Podcast, I'm on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. It's all at Hey Bartender Podcast. And if you want to contact me directly, just send me an email, dude at heybartenderpodcast.com. Or if you're in the feeling really in the mood and want to send me something, send it to Hey Bartender Podcast, P.O. Box 12148, Odessa, Texas, 79768. Hey, my birthday's on November 18th, uh, and uh, I'm turning 45 this year. You know, send some love. God, I'm getting old. But uh, also, thank you to all the listeners that pick up Hey Bartender Podcast. You guys are awesome and are the inspiration for me to keep doing these shows and bring on these amazing guests. If you want to be a guest on Hey Bartender Podcast, all you have to do is message me either on social media or on email. What the hell is that noise? Sorry, people, that was my work phone. My day job uh, was calling me because I'm on call this weekend. 
Oh, uh, uh, but do I go back and edit that out? No, oh, hell no. I mean, you know, this is a professional show. I do professional things, and sometimes things on the show happen that you don't expect, or you're just lazy. But anyway, as usual, people, thank you for listening to Hey Bartender Podcast. And as usual, I wish you all lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness. And remember, don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. What do you mean it's let's go? I just got here.